Welcome to Unpacked Shorts with me, Katie Harrison, and Peter Franklin, who writes our Unpacked column for Unheard. Our guest today is our editor, Tim Montgomery. So I was going to say we're on our best behaviour, but we're really not. Welcome, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I've come to spy on you all. Yeah, whatever. So, Peter, you've been looking, I think, at the digital revolution. How's that going? Um, Well, not that well compared (laughs) to early expectations. Um, This is uh, an unpacked of an article by Rick Webb, for Nuco Shift. Appropriate name, Rick Webb. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Well, nominative determinism. <laughs> well, except <laughs> that he was in at the beginnings of of internet culture as a popular phenomenon. I'm not talking about the really, really early days of the internet, but when it started sort of exploding into our, our lives and ordinary people, not just military people yeah. and academics were going online. Yeah. And it was quite a hopeful time. It was the 90s, early 90s. I don't know if everyone remembers that. I certainly do. <laughs> um, and um, We were all going to reach out to each other, weren't we, and be friends around the world and be connected right. and all of that. And yeah, and it was all going to be very bottom no up. No one was ever going to fight yes. anymore because we were all going to have this online rapport. Is that right? That's right. And information was going to be free and everything was going to be shared and it was all going to be very non-commercial. Um, and um, as they used to say in the 90s, the 90s is just the 60s standing on its head. Um, <laughs> I have never heard that before. I have not heard that either. <laughs> Peter, are you sure I you made do, that up? No, I remember it. It was on the side of, a, I think, a Ben and Jerry's tub of oh, ice cream. Sounds like Ben and Jerry's, yeah. Well, in fact, <laughs> a lot of the uh, founders of the early sort of message boards and and the early sort of internet popular culture some of them were old hippies um and saw in all of this well actually this is how we can overcome the the limits we ran into in the 60s and the 70s this is a new free-for-all where everyone can participate and it's all going to be peace and love so they weren't anticipating cyberbullying and online fraud and all of that and no. Donald Trump <laughs> Donald Trump the alt-right um, the sort of jihadi internet oh gosh, yeah. all sorts of and obviously sort of every Porn. every variety <laughs> of that and you know all sorts of really nasty stuff and I, di- I somewhat pejoratively compared the internet to a to a sewer um, one that pervades you know our culture and spills out all sorts of rarely poisonous stuff. Notwithstanding your fascinating line that I've never heard before, Peter, (laughs) one line I have heard is that the uh, social media and the internet in general is just a new way to do old things, really, isn't it? And perhaps we just see the human condition writ large online that there will always be people who want to manipulate and to deceive and there will always be equally there will always be people who will take advantage of an opportunity and find a way to make it work commercially and others who who use things for other things do you think this is a surprise that we find ourselves in this very mixed world online well yes a lot of it is continuity of the same old human story but there's a lot of genuinely new stuff there um our ability, well, bringing down the cost of publication to mm-hmm. effectively zero, and also the um, the ability for people to communicate behind avatars anonymously. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a hugely um, different thing. I don't think 
that was available to people to nearly the same extent. And obviously that has driven a lot of, oh, not driven, but enabled a lot of the nastiness. And one of the points that Rick Webb makes, which is, I think he's very much on the sort of progressive, sort of soft left side of things from what I can gather. But a lot of the points he makes in his arguments are remarkably conservative. Like the idea that he said, actually all of this was just too revolution, revolutionary for, for us to cope with as a culture. And actually it might take an awful lot longer for things to settle down, for the nastiness to be controlled and for something like the original vision to um, become a bit more real, a bit more consistent. So, so that has to be the, the hope, doesn't it? Uh, I still find the internet a source of enormous richness as well as um, trash, but I don't know what form it will take, but people may just pay, you know, be open to paying a premium that will be provided by a certain supplier, and that supplier, through the charge that they um, make of members, will police it properly, and that it isn't full of hate or uh, garbage or fakery. Um, probably won't be that model, but it's so early still in the, uh, in the internet age for us to write it off. Well, it could well be that model in part, mm. and I think it already is. I mean, you've already got some you know, high-quality content providers. Some of the newspapers, for instance, their digital side is very much and paywalled. Um, Website-only new platforms. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, unheard at the moment. <laughs> is, uh, it, it's free for all, but um, it's, it's um, you know, you, you may well be right, Tim, that you do get these paywalled bits of the internet which are much more civilised. But then or that, just, or that more effective parental controls. We already have yes, those yes. sorts of bar barriers, don't we? But that, that those barriers, those borders, that balkanisation of the internet goes against one of those original right. utopian ideals, which was of information being free and a sort of united global community. Because the, you know, the, the, the commercial giants that you know, dominate the internet, like uh, Facebook and Google, they still, ha well, they always have tried to present themselves as sort of inheritors of that hippie-ish uh, zeitgeist, haven't yes. they? And the do no e evil and you know, Mark Zuckerberg um, wears his t-shirts and you know, he doesn't look like a conventional executive, but you know, as Nigel Cameron has shown in you know, some of the stuff he's written for Unheard and others have done, these uh, may wear t-shirts, but they actually play as ruthlessly uh, profit-maximizing regulation trampling as any of the big oil giants whatever of yesteryear. Do you think people are increasingly seeing through the likes of Facebook as not that different from other big businesses now or are they still enjoying a lot of the uh, legacy of that early presentation of themselves? I think things are turning quite rapidly and, and we see that in Washington, for instance, we do see um, some politicians now speaking out on this. Mm. Um, and in fact, you know, once you see an opportunity for various senators to sort of grandstand, I think it will, you know, turn around quite fast. But people do realise that <laughs> these are mega corporations and they have control over the flow of information that would make the um, the newspaper barons of old very jealous. 
So power sits in a different place now, but is used in pretty much the same way. Peter Franklin, thank you so much. Uh, you can read Peter's analysis of that article and click through to Rick Webb's piece on NewCoShift at unheard.com. Tim Montgomery, thank you for joining us today as our guest. Thank you for letting me be on your <laughs> podcast, Katie. <laughs> um, from me, Katie Harrison, and our producer, James Coney, thank you for joining us. Please rate this podcast on your usual provider so that other people can find us too. For now, goodbye. <laughs>